and the Oscar for best podcast goes to the Joe Rogan Show. What the f- God damn it! Welcome to the Last King podcast. I am one of your hosts, the illustrious eccentric Tom, and I am the other surviving host, Doctor Shafi. Oh yes, I'm afraid that、uh, we come on a somber note. Yes, I mean, what used to be a trinity is now just a duality. Yes, we have lost the great Mr. Toffee. Hey.、Uh. Uh, such a sad day for all of us, especially、yes. for all the weeaboos and the anime fans, and you know people who love Mega Man way too much. <laughs> <laughs> Now, so Mr. Toffee is on assignment. Apparently, we've、yes. sent him into the darkest recesses of、uh, the early man preview. Yes, and I think he got lost on the way. I think some T Rex came after him. <laughs> so、uh, some claymation T Rex after his Malaysian ass. Yeah. So.、Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we'll have him back next week. Fear not. So for all you Mr. Toffee fans, yes, yeah, don't worry. He shall return in all his glory. <laughs> <laughs> don't laugh so hard, goddammit! You forgot to say hole at the end of that.、Uh, <laughs> uh, his whole glory hole. No, <laughs> he has all of the glory holes. Anyway,、uh-huh. so enough. <laughs> How have we become so derailed? Just the two of us writing again. You know what? I hate to say this, but I kind of miss him. Yeah. But you know, emphasis on kinda. Kinda. Only kinda. <laughs> well, you know, we ha- we have to be honest. So,、uh, before we get the ball rolling with our two reviews of、uh, this episode, we have to talk about、um, some predictions we made last time. The end of Road to Oscars 2018. Finally, because de- we have reached the Oscars 2018. Yes, and did the end justify the means? Was the journey worth the destination? Nah. Nah. <laughs> I mean, there were some surprises,、um, but otherwise it was a fairly raw Oscars. Nothing too controversial happened. Would you say that it's kind of predictable because you kind of expected certain things to like occur the way they did? Yeah, although there were some winners which I was not expecting. Yeah, me too. And the thing is, like, I'm kind of happy. Also, speaking of winners, like we called some of them pretty close. Yeah, we did. Like, so so let- we know how they think. We should make an Oscar-worthy movie and so, get all the accolades. Speaking of predictions, we got right.、Um, best supporting. Actor went to Sam Rockwell. Yes, a well-deserved win from Sam Rockwell. I mean, I can't really remember again who the other. I mean, it was I know it was Willem Dafoe for Florida Project. Yeah, and Woody Harrelson also for Three Billboards. But I would say this, like Sam Rockwell. I mean, I agree with you when you mentioned that he had more of an arc. Yeah. But I do kind of also think like you know what? If only you could have split it both ways. Both those guys did an amazing job in that film. Yeah, I mean, Woody Harrelson really performs in every role he's given. But I think because Sam Rockwell had the harder job and he managed to pull it off,、mm. I think that's why he definitely deserves it. I mean, yeah, like that vicious beating he gives to the guy who makes the po- the billboards. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like you still kind of feel sympathy for him because, like, when he rescued the like the dossier from the yeah, police station. I mean, yeah, and he gets really the shit kicked out of him for the last half of that movie, where he gets burnt, he gets beaten, yeah, he loses his job. It's like you deserve everything that happens to you, but at the same time, you're sympathetic.、Yeah. You know, like kind of yeah. Because I mean, I think I mean you can also give it to Woody Harrelson for the narration where like your heart's in the right place. You could be a great detective yeah if you just put your mind to it. And like okay, I don't want to spoil too much of Three Billboards, but it's the kind of movie you really can't spoil because there's nothing really being revealed. I would say. I mean, it's stuff which you kind of expected,、mm. which is 
I mean, it's not a knock against the writing. The writing was very solid, but yeah, it's just very that tight. Yeah, we've seen this kind of story before, and it, that's that's no fault. It's 2018. We've been making movies for over a century now. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to come up with something that's completely unique these days. But I will say this. Uh, I mean, Three Billboards is not the kind of movie where you're looking for some any sort of twist. It's basically watching performances. Absolutely. And speaking of performances, didn't I call that uh, best uh, actress was going to go to um, Frances McDormand? You did, yeah, very really good. I mean, the thing is, we I kind of still wanted Margot. I kind of wanted Margot. But I also kind of believe that maybe too early for... I yeah. don't know, I mean, I, it shouldn't be. Because, like, fuck, like, what was it? Anna Paquin? Or, like, a lot of these girls who, like, won Oscars and they're, like, they're barely a teenager. Well, Jennifer Lawrence won back-to-back when she was in her early 20s. There you go. And so, it was like... Like, the too early doesn't quite jive. Mm. <clears throat> I think it's just because... because uh, Tony Harding is still a controversial figure for some people that it was a harder sell to win. Or maybe it's because it just didn't cater to the typical voting Oscar Academy yeah. people. Because, so 90 yeah. year old white men. You think? Because the thing is you have to understand like you know, guys like Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks, they are in the committee. That's true. It's, it is slowly changing but it's still very heavily a kind of person who enjoys watching movies about Hollywood mm-hmm. or about you know Good, honest white folk down south. Any any sort of self filleting film, yeah. But uh, I mean, I don't know. Like I did mention on the previous episode that if Francis McDormand would win, I wouldn't be mad. And yeah, the thing is, I did finally manage to watch all the three billboards. Yeah. You know, because I, I didn't catch it the same time as you guys. I yeah, watched yeah. it kind of late. And the thing is, it's also kind of weird when you watch a sh- when you watch a film after your co-host kind of not say spoil it, but set sets it up a bit. They say expectations, yeah. Yeah. Then, but the thing is, yeah, it's one of those few rare occasions where it's like, oh my god, this film is actually worth it. You know, and absolutely. The thing is, like, um, I don't know. Uh, it is to me I mean we made this list of 10 best films of 2017 and we really want to change it now and we, yeah the thing, is, that's, the thing is one of the hardest things about running a show on a weekly basis is because you need to kind of match uh, what you call theatrical releases absolutely yeah but also at the same time it's like you know we have different uh, what you call release dates because yeah. some of these movies like Shape of Water didn't come out until this year in Singapore like good four months after what the I Tonya didn't come out until this year yeah. in Singapore so it's like the thing is like we have enough ammunition for the list of 2018 technically you know like, mm. I think half the list half the list for 2018 is kind of ready because true you know unless of course we have still like, nine months in the year to kind of you know blow us away but I'm I don't know because it's mainly uh, Marvel movies coming out I mean Ready Player One Pacific Rim 2 I'm gonna say this right now Ready Player One is going to be bad you think? it's gonna be a bad movie because it's a bad book. It's written by a guy who didn't know how to write an effective story, and like the main character is completely repulsive in this day and age. So, I think Spielberg will be able to make it at best a mediocre movie because the source material is so shoddy. Yeah, but then again, I think I still have kind of you know. I mean, I trust the old guy because he hasn't done me wrong since 1941. <laughs> the way you say it is like literally <laughs> since 1941 no he's been around since after that but like yeah but the thing is I also kind of understand is like you know he's the, he's the guy who spearheaded the imagination movement I mean like That's with true. films like E.T. Close Encounters Jaws you know he he was one of the guys who directed Raiders of the Lost Ark he is yeah he is such a I mean, Tour de Force is such a cliche thing to say. But, but you're literally talking about Steven Spielberg. It, it's who, Spielberg. Like, you can't compare him to everyone because it is Spielberg. He is 
in the pantheon of the greatest filmmakers ever. Yeah, definitely top three because like you have to understand like he's think of another name another director who has within their resume Schindler's List and E.T. Yeah. Like no. I mean the closest thing is Kubrick. And even then he was just a bit too weird. I wouldn't say I mean like you have to understand like Kubrick is like you have The Shining, Spartacus, Full Metal Jacket, film He did Spartacus? Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize he was that old. Uh, he is what, what do you call maybe he took over Spartacus oh, it I lost see, his okay. director but the thing is uh, if I recall legend has it that uh, Kubrick did Paths of Glory I can't remember properly the title it, but it's it starred uh, Kirk Douglas oh, and then okay. Kirk Douglas was so impressed with him like when Spartacus was falling apart he, he called him on he okay. called Kubrick to save this movie ah. and he turned that movie into a masterpiece sir. well I mean if Kirk Douglas is is able to like vouch for you that's you know very high praise there you go especially and then, like, if you're that young and like, you have to understand like he is still the director of one of the greatest sci-fi films of all time 2001 like true it's hard to top that Nolan can't top that you know he tried with Inception but you know yeah, there you I go. think Interstellar was his attempt oh at my god yeah. I'm, I meant Inter- Interstellar it, it's two iron uh, names so you know what can you do but then again like yeah if anything why I want to push the culture too much is like yeah I want people to blow me away so it's like you know there's guys who like I would say that especially when it comes to something like you know the pomp and circumstance of the pageantry of the Oscars is like I mean we're gonna definitely be talking about the winners like eh really? No I mean speaking of being blown away Alison Jenny won Best Supporting Actress She was amazing we love that film so much <sighs> yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah I mean I think for now we can both agree this is our number one movie of 2018 so far I will say that yeah, yeah. until something else comes along Yeah but I think it's gonna have to be a damn damn good movie for it to, to move that movie out, out for me I would say I mean what else do we have to look forward to I mean there's the Han Solo movie <laughs> we've yeah. got I mean I, I have no expectations for it and so far I've movies have surprised me in 2018 so far like there'd be movies which I thought were gonna be shit and actually I quite enjoyed more about that later like Tomb Raider <laughs> we'll get to that um, so I mean what else can we talk about uh, let's talk about the leads yeah. okay because the thing is to me we kind of call Daniel Day-Lewis because it's Daniel Day-Lewis for circumstances, and we haven't seen the film because it hasn't been released yet. Yeah, but we just we know who he is and what he's done. But no, Gary, Gary Oldman. Oldman. <laughs> and I'll be honest, um, I haven't seen Darkest Hour, so I can't say whether I, or not I, I have. Is it is it worthy of him winning? You know what? It's a good. It's a good prequel to Dunkirk because okay. <laughs> by the end of that movie, they literally it leads it to Dunkirk in in a sense. It's like yeah, those two. Kind of okay. make a nice companion piece to each other, like how the post is a good companion piece to like maybe all the president's men. Ah. So it's like you know these two movies will make will will do fine as a double bill, but they'll his, be good in, like when Criterion does the collection. Possibly, but I would say this right, <laughs> Darkest Hour. It's really boring. <laughs> I hate to say this, but like I understand the the win. I think it's more of a kind of a career award rather than, you know, performance award. Because, which, yeah, it's long time overdue, for especially for Gary Oldman, who's done amazing work. I mean, he's again like Woody Harrelson. He's someone who just goes in and he goddamn commits to his roles. Yep. Whether it's, you know, campy Luc Besson stuff like uh, Fifth Element or, you know... Campy f- Luc Besson stuff like The Professional. <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. Uh, kids drama with Harry Potter. Oh, he was serious black. Yeah, I, yeah. Keep, I keep forgetting that. Yeah, like, wow. Or gothic horror like in Dracula. Dracula, you know. Or you know more serious uh, roles like Dark Knight. There you go, like, Commissioner. He, he is my favorite Commissioner Gordon thus far. Yeah, because you know J.K. Simmons did nothing. 
well, J.K. Simmons will always be my J. Jonah Jameson. He yeah. nailed that role. Seeing him as Commissioner Gordon, I just can't like you know separate the two anymore. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, okay. So Gary Oldman, props for getting one. Yeah, I mean, you know, chapeau to him, absolutely. There you go. I mean, like, and yes, he, he did everything in full makeup, no vanity whatsoever. It's not his. Look, you know. dude got nicotine poisoning because he smoked so many cigars. Really? Yeah, he smoked twelve cigars a day for that role. Wow, so yeah. method. <laughs> but you I mean, can have Hollywood cigars. Yeah, I don't know why uh, the actors now who insist on trying to kill themselves for these movies. Mm, there you I, go. I blame um, Daniel Day Lewis for this trend. I blame Christian Bale. Daniel Day Lewis is like the oddity. Like even yeah. before him, you had something like Robert De Niro who gained weight for Raging Bull and then lost it again. True. And then like you would say something like. When, when The Machinist came out and the big deal about that movie, it's a fucking boring movie. But we just have a skeleton in the form of Christian Bale walking There you around. go, you know, like, it's basically, you know, skin stretched onto his frame. And, like, everybody was like, the big deal was like, oh, he lost so much weight. What such commitment? And, like, this is not, this is the kind of thing we don't care about. Yeah, I mean, that's why he won uh, Best Supporting for The Fighter. Which Be- I think is, uh, I don't know who else was, like, uh, who else It was, was 2008, so it wasn't a very strong year. I guess, but I mean. What am I talking about? Dark Knight came out the same year. No, Dark Knight is 2007. Oh, a year yeah. before. Mm. Uh, okay, whatever. Oh, but, yeah, 2008 wasn't very strong in that case. Well, if anything, like. Uh, but Christian Bill did win one, right, eventually? Uh, he's won Best Supporting. I'm not sure if he's won Best Actor. Well, there hasn't been. I mean, I don't know if there's ever going to be a film that he can write as a vehicle anymore. No, because. Like he's desperately trying to escape being Batman, but we still just see him as. I don't think it's that so much because I mean, like. Well, okay, we see him as the crazy guy who shouted at someone on set of uh, Terminator. I think that that's one of the problems. Yeah. Because thing is, like, his personality kind of moves in front of him. But also, like, I mean, I loved his work in The Big Short. I loved what oh, he yeah. did in American Hustle too. I don't know, I'm I'm not a huge fan of uh, American Hustle because I really think that David Russell is um, overrated as a director. <laughs> but I agree, but you know it's, he, a, good, he it's was, a good movie. Yeah, he was damn good in uh, Big Short. Big, he was able to sell a guy with a glass eye and Asperger's somehow. Well, he did play Bruce Wayne. <laughs> it's but, almost the same character. Uh, okay, yeah, fine. But <laughs> Bruce Wayne doesn't have a glass eye. What are you talking about? No, but like you know, he's got glass bad eyes. Possibly, but I mean. Oh, that was such a stretch. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, it's very hard to to make fun of things when you don't have like you know, uh, actual ammunition. But okay, uh, notwithstanding, I would say this also like. Can I just shout out very quickly to Jeremy Renner for rocking the pompadour <laughs> in Absolutely. American Hustle and still looking like he could beat the shit out of Christian Bale? <laughs> yeah, like that was a movie which definitely told you the seventies were a weird time for fashion. And I will say with this also, like, Jeremy Renner is actually a pretty good actor. He is. I really feel like he was cut. Uh, you know, really just dealt a shorthand in the mid two thousands. Is it because of her locker, he, or is it because no, of? No, like his he got his career back because of her locker. Mm-hmm. That was what brought him out out from back from pasture but I don't know why but he, he was kind of like he went down the Colin Farrell route where we thought oh this is the next up and coming and then there was like flop 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 nothing for about three years then he got brought back I would say it's also because he could not carry like the Bourne franchise he, uh, that, that was, was probably one of the like that was know. no that was after his career came back but that was already he was starting getting Marvel money at that point so it didn't really matter too much I guess so I mean like there has to be some sort of benefits of being Hawkeye all this time I mean like Hawkeye is a really Hard role to sell because even in the comic books, he's like you know 
like the joke character. It's like, okay, Mr. Burrow and Arrow, like there you go, there you go. You know what would have saved his career even more if he just rocked the original costume <laughs> with what, the like purple big, and everything, like big purple face mask. Yes. Come oh, on, man. Just go for it. You know, the thing is, you have Captain America right next to you. Like, <laughs> why don't you just look like how you look like in the books? But okay, so tell me what. Uh, what the, how did we tangent all the way from Sam Rockwell? <laughs> I don't know. I, Here we go. Welcome to the Last Game Podcast, where any uh, tangent is a reason to talk about fucking Marvel. And speaking of tangents, uh, okay, so best supporting actress. We were we've done. Yeah. So we've done best actor. I mean, best supporting actor. Yeah. So let's just go straight into best actor. Or oh, do actress first. Oh, I did best act, best actress. Oh, sorry. Yes, uh, Francis Villon. I mean, yeah. best actor. Sorry, we, I'm tangenting into myself now. Yeah, well, we've already we've already covered all the performance wins. So let's talk about uh, best picture win. You wanna do best director first? I think okay, that'd be more interesting. Okay, let's talk about best director first. So let's do best director. We, I, we are all saying like we wanted Peel to win, but because we knew he was never going to. Because it would have been the progressive win. But also because you never win first time out. Some guys have. Some guys have, but <laughs> it's like we we knew it was there was no hope in hell that he was going to win best director. I know. I mean, it's, like, it's basically what like what happened with Ben Affleck with Argo. It's yeah, like, like, an amazing film, but wait, that won the best picture, but you didn't give the director best director. Yeah, that was a definite snub. Yeah, no. And the thing is, I wouldn't call Jordan Peele not winning a definite snub. But I would be. I would like to say like he still got one for adapted screenplay. Right? Yeah, best best screenplay, oh. best original screenplay. Best original. My bad. Yeah. Oh yeah. He. Yeah. It's not adapted for anything. Like, so you know what? He's still an Oscar winner. Yeah. And to be honest, definitely the strongest original screenplay. Agreed. I mean, what yeah. else came out that year that was anywhere close I think to being Shape original? Shape of Water was uh, nominated for best original screenplay. Yeah, but that's a genre flick. Oh wait, they're both genre flicks. What am I saying? Yeah. Uh, other than that, it's a uh, big sick. Lady Bird and Three Billboards. Oh god, I can't give it the Big Sick over, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Big Sick is a very sweet movie, but... Hey, one of my favourite films of last year. Yeah, no, Best Adapted Screenplay went to Call Me By Your Name. Oh, yeah, one of my least favourite movies of yeah, last year. Yeah, it beat Logan. You know, that pains me, because the thing is, I, uh, as much as I get why people enjoy Call Me By Your Name, yeah, I don't understand the accolade at all. I mean, calling it one of the best pictures of the year, or calling it essential viewing? No, I mean, you know, the, like, I, Tonya didn't get the nomination for best picture, which is definitely a goddamn travesty. I guess so, but if anything, um, yeah. Best actor? Sorry, best director? Guillermo del Toro. One of us. Yeah, a nerd. one of us, one of us. Finally, because the thing is, right, it's not since Quentin Tarantino has one of us made it that far. Yeah, and... It is a definite, definite deserved win in terms of like how long he's just been working hard. I would have said like he should have earned this kind of attention during Pan's Labyrinth, but it's a long time. But deal. that was that was a foreign language film, and that wouldn't have uh, won the um, like the push for uh, for your consideration. I agree, but it wasn't the artist also like a foreign language film, and didn't that make it that far? Yeah, but because no one spoke, like <laughs> it, it, it technically true. Technically counted as a Hollywood movie, even though it's meant to be French. Or is I don't know. It was set in Hollywood. It was also technically not a good movie either, but you know whatever. Uh, I mean, I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was. A, I wouldn't say overrated, but uh, it was very much a navel gazing kind of movie. You think? It was so far so nice. Oh, remember when movies didn't have sound and how big a deal it was? Remember all you old fucks who are still clinging to life in the academy? I mean, if you want to like honor that, watch Singing in the Rain. Yeah, <laughs> that that's literally the best movie about the silent era coming to an end. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, before we talk about Best Picture winner, let's talk about a few others that I think deserved. Best Original uh, Music, Best Original Song went to Coco. Not Black Panther. <laughs> well, I mean, well, technically it didn't. It wasn't in the category because it was a 2018 release. I uh, guess. But it beats out uh, Mighty River from Mudbound, uh, The Mystery of Love from Call Me By Your Name, uh, This Is Me from Greatest Showman. Well, the thing is, like, okay, as much as I didn't like Call Me By Your Name, I'm a big fan of Sufjan Stevens. Yeah. So, I don't know, he, he's the one who wrote that song, right? I think so. I, I think he was the one credited with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's like your typical Spotify playlist, indie music, you know, edition. Yeah, but did it make you cry, though? No. So, that's why Remember Me wins, because... But the thing is, that movie wasn't attached to a scene where a young boy, like, you know, shows his love for his grandmother. True. <laughs> that Pixar magic, oi. I mean... I would agree if you listen to the song on its own outside of context. No, it's 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 still it's, it's a lovely song, yeah. And what was the other one? I mean, like the other, the other contenders are like they're not movies I've seen, so I can't really say. Oh god, but like okay, again, talking about redoing the list, when I finally saw Mudbound and like oh god, why didn't this get any attention? Well, because it's a Netflix movie, so you know. So it, there you go, huh? Yeah, it, it's a pity. I mean, what else do but we want? The big thing is an Amazon movie. So, what's the argument there? Good point. That's a very good point, and I don't have an answer for you. I mean, I would love to do a full review on Mudbound, but the thing is, it's like I don't know if it's too late to catch on that, to, to write that train, but also. I think time. it's a bit late. Um, I, let's just quickly go for a few other winners, like just very quickly. Best Cinematography, Blade Runner 2049. Deserved because I'm a big fan of the DOP. Yeah, and. It, yeah. Uh, Roger Deakins finally, finally gets his uh, Oscar. He is the man to me. Like, as much as I didn't like that movie, cinematically, it was visually, beautiful movie. I agreed with you guys. Like, yeah, this looks great. Like, I mean, I just want to very briefly mo- mo- say when they went to the desert, when it was like that, I think it was like Las Vegas after it's fallen apart and it's mm. just like, this beautiful red hellscape. Wow. Just, uh, if only the yeah, movie was not two and a half hours long. <laughs> <laughs> Soak it in, boys. <laughs> yeah, like, like, oh, you, look at all this amazing cinematography. Like, oh, you know this movie? Oh, don't worry, you'll have plenty of time to enjoy this. I don't know what's more over uh, than this or like the Lord of the Rings extended cuts. Like, look, yeah, we get it. You're in New Zealand. <laughs> like, we get it. New Zealand is very, very pretty. I will go visit it. Stop talking about it, Peter Jackson. I, mean, I remember there was literally a shot where the like the the fellowship, the three of them were running across the hills in four different angles, yeah, and yeah. it's the same. It's like, hey, can we get it? <laughs> well, hey, it succeeded because when I went to New Zealand, I drove out my way by about an hour to go see where they stuck the uh, model for Edoras. And then you were so disappointed that it's just a model. <laughs> no, I, no, I was very happy to see it. The people I was traveling with were not very happy that I drove that far for, you know, a hill. You dragged them all the way up there. Yep, they were not happy with me. Wait, did you see, uh, what's it called? I think it's... Um... What's that guy's name? Aragorn's like bluff or something? No, I didn't. Apparently, uh, it's like this patch of dirt. This is where Aragorn like was holding on for dear life or something. And when you actually see the thing, it's like that's it. <laughs> I think that was somewhere else that I wasn't able to see in that time. Uh, okay, very, very, very quickly. Uh, hey, uh, could be Brian, Academy Award winner. <laughs> <laughs> they should melt his Oscar into a ring to add to his <laughs> like a championship ring yeah. or something. Well. I mean, apparently it's a very sweet uh, short, uh, it's an animated short movie, five minutes long, and it's about why he got into basketball and why he loves it so much. But like, he's a producer and he also wrote he, it, right? He wrote it and he narrated it. Ah, uh, I see. So, but he got the Oscar for... Well, I think he shared it with the uh, The director. animator. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, like when Best Picture, you, like you get everyone up on stage. You get your stuff. entourage, right? Wait, yeah. did Kobe Bryant bring his posse on stage too? That would be so funny. Like, imagine half of them, all these animators and production designers, all wearing like their best tuxedo, and then you have his crew. <laughs> yeah, just like wearing all their jerseys, yeah, or and, like, the... you know, pants around their ankles. Like, there you go. <laughs> and then I wish we just cut to uh, LeBron James just sitting in the... What? Well, just, in... just sitting there, just like sulking. Oh, he's invited too? Yeah. <laughs> just, just so you can like rub it in his face. It's like, see, I'm still better than you. You want to really rub it into somebody's face? He should have brought like the Space Jam DVD on stage with him just to step on it <laughs> I did a better animated thing what <laughs> yeah and so let's talk about the best picture winner well right off Guillermo del Toro Shape of Water won wow I could <laughs> Mr. Never... Toffee called it yeah. <laughs> yeah well done how I don't know like you know, what, what did I say was gonna win you wanted Itonia right or did... I wanted well, I was gonna say Three Bulbos was gonna win no, yeah, the thing is, like, I wanted Itonia, you wanted three billboards, he chose Shape of Water, and I think we both kind of disagree that I don't think a genre picture like that would win, and if anything, oh wait, I think I chose Get Out. Yeah. My bad, sorry. You know, Itonia definitely, I mean, like, the thing is, for best picture, is like, you know what, if any of those won, I'll be fine. Yeah, and actually, I would say, as a whole product, I would agree that Shape of Water was the best motion picture. On a technicality, like no, it's just because, so put like, together because of everything. In, like the production design was fantastic. Mm. The the screenplay was great. The acting was amazing. The cinematography was awesome. So as a, like a sum of its parts, like, as a sum of its parts, it was definitely the best movie. Mm. Like Get Out had a much better performance story and, and a much better story. Yeah, uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine was the prettiest. I agree. Um, Darker Style was the boringest. The boringest. Um, <laughs> Dun- Lady Bird was the most pretentious. Yeah. Comment uh, by your name was the most French. <laughs> uh, Dunkirk was the war movie. Dunkirk was a Nolan movie. I think yeah. because it's Christopher Nolan, it got nominated. Yeah, but not because it was a war movie. As like a labor of love, I think that it, it, it deserved that win. I guess. And so. uh, you know, everyone who's uh, you know like there definitely there's a strong reactionary move against it. People are saying that Lady Bird or Get Out should have won. I disagree a little bit. Totally. No, like people are saying Lady Bird should have won because it, it's a Greta Gerwig vehicle. It's not a good movie. I'm sorry. Like, it's it's not a strong enough movie to have won Best Picture. Did, did I mention this on the previous episode about a friend of mine reviewing it? And I, I asked her why she liked it. And basically, her review was because it's like somebody wrote, like wrote my read my diary and put it on screen. I was like, that's the worst reason to watch a movie. But but then by that argument, then Watchmen should have won because that was the best retelling of well, it's the most like honest adaptation of the series. But I would say this like. Uh, some random like hipster girl's diary is not as good as Alan Moore's masterpiece Watchmen sir <laughs> okay fair enough fair enough but yeah it's like I said this in my review like this is a film where if you are you know a teenage girl growing up in California if you're the demographic yeah this is the best movie that was ever created because it's all about you apparently yeah, but it is just so insufferably American you feel yes Mm. Like, to the point where even, like, you know, this is where something I can kind of tolerate because there's some shared culture, but it's just like, I did not grow up like that, so... You you're can't saying, relate at all, Like, yeah. oh, remember when you did this with all your friends, or that moment, or that thing? It's like, no, because my experience was very different. Like, even her applying for colleges was completely different to how I, I did it, so, like, I cannot buy into this shit. Because, like... You didn't go to the prom with your best friend either. No. <laughs> no, because I had a girlfriend. 
and yeah, you and you, because yeah, you didn't hang out with the cool kids because no. you know. Also, do you know why my prom was better? Because I could drink. Oh, you can. Yeah. Well done. I was a- I was eighteen, motherfuckers. Good job. <laughs> yes. So uh, I think that wraps up our uh, Oscars talk for two thousand eighteen. So, Last King fans, tell us who do you think deserved best picture, best director, or you know, do we call it? Do we not call it? Or if anything, who else should have been nominated instead? Yes, and you know, how angry are you with us that Antonio didn't even get nominated for Best Picture? With us? Hey, we, we were championing that movie till the very end. I would still say one of the best films this year for us because it yeah, just came out. This is going to be a hell we would collectively die on. So mm-hmm. we are going to take a very quick break and then after that we have two movies where we're going to review. Yes. Uh, we have the latest creature from Aardman uh, Pictures. Mr. Nick Park himself yeah. coming back with uh, Early Man. Early Man. And then uh, Squeaks are trying again to make a movie. <laughs> With the Tomb, Ra- a Tomb Raider reboot? Is this possibly the best video game movie of all time? Let's find out after the break. And we're back! Now, uh, of course, uh, as we mentioned previously, uh, we are lacking one co-host right now, Mr. Yes. Toffee. He is sorely missed. Sorely missed. Uh, emphasis on sore. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> back to that glory hole joke. I'm sorry, but... <laughs> Fuck's sake! Anyway, so... <laughs> uh, you know, he's out on assignment. He is uh, out there in the Intergalactic Space Theater movie house, uh, somewhere out there in the galaxy, reviewing Early Man for us. Yes, he is. Oh, hang on. I've, I've got something here. We have a transmission coming in. Oh, I... Mr. Toffee, uh, how are you? Oh, there he is, yeah. Alright, so early man is a dick. Can he hear us? <laughs> I, I don't think he can. Put on your ear pierce. Uh, your, your ear piercing. Yeah, yeah your ear piece. The, toffee. Toffee. Park directed an Artman animated film set in the Stone Age where football was invented back then and it's a sacred sport. Ah, oh, damn it. Wait. Right, let, let's just let him talk. A Stone Age tribe is driven out into exile by the advanced Bronze Age led by Lord Duth, who is played by Tom Hiddleston who is channeling Monty Python's French accents from the Holy Grail movie. To get their valley back, the Stone Age boy Doug challenged Duth and his football team to an all-or-nothing match, using his tribe to represent the Stone Age team. They also get help from Anya Stark, I mean Maisie Williams, whose voice here is also channeling that goofy French accent. Okay. Now, as for the film itself, yeah, it's a funny and charming film from beginning to end, if you're a fan of sight gags, dry British humor, and a boatload of puns and football jokes. Family-friendly football jokes, of course. And yeah, it's good to see some good old-fashioned claymation action from the Artman guys. We're talking top-notch visuals and detailing here, and a ton of funny facial expressions here and there. Never have I laughed this much at the start of the film, like how the secret sport came to be. Oh, and there's a gag there involving a duck you'll probably remember for quite a while. Another reason I like this film is because of Eddie Redmayne as Doug. When you give this man, this actor, a good witty script, and make him express emotions other than meekish or indifferent, you get a ball of optimism and enthusiasm. It's also a plus that you don't get to see his popish face. We get a nice claymation puppet that's better looking, of course. Tom Hiddleston, Maisie Williams, Richard Ayoade, Timothy Small, and a few others play their respective parts pretty well, right down to characters' quirks. And of course, Nick Park as a pig hongdong. Good stuff there. Good stuff for the grunting. I think the best comment I heard during the film was from a little girl sitting in the back row of her parents. Yeah, yeah, this is a Saturday early preview screening, so of course ticket winners and special guests are gonna bring in their little tykes over to the screening. This precious little thing commented that this film is too silly about two-thirds of the film. Are kids really that jaded with their entertainment these days? Are all ages films pretty shit? 
Well, I know Boss Baby exists, so yeah, not everything can be freaking Pixar though. Look, look, the film is basically an underdog team trying to beat an elite sports film, a la Mighty Ducks, with Flintstone as trappings. Not really an original story, but hey, I had fun watching it. I'd give this a 7 out of 10. It's not really a classic like Curse of the Were-Rabbit, but it's good clean fun with great punchlines and solid claymation action. Fine review there from Mr. Toffee. Yeah, um, um, very sh- short and sweet. Yeah, straight to the point, I think. There you go, yeah. Okay, thank you, Mr. Toffee, for uh, telling us all about Early Man and uh, you having a great time there on the red carpet. Uh, you know, cool. You didn't get to meet Nick Park, though. That's pretty... <laughs> I wonder if you can actually meet him, or like maybe he insists on like being seen through claymation puppets, <laughs> like how Matt Groening only appears in animation yeah. nowadays, right? He doesn't even show up for his own interviews. But okay, there again. But have you seen Early Man? I have seen Early Man. I actually oh. watched it last night. Really? Yeah. Just in time for this episode. Indeed, and uh, I mean, it's like you said, it's a very fun, sweet movie. It's an Arban uh, production. So among the best, where does it stack? I would say this is. Probably stronger than Pirates. Okay. Because Pirates suffered a bit from too much Hollywoodization, I would say. This one felt a bit more honestly British, in a way. Hmm. Because it opens with, uh, it says, you know, it shows uh, this planet, which is Earth, and then it says, early Pliocene era, near Manchester, around lunchtime. <laughs> and then you have two dinosaurs fighting, and then you have various cavemen fighting. But, like, I don't really think England was anywhere a part of Pangaea, right? Uh, I Possibly. Mean, oh, look, this is super anachronistic. You have cavemen fighting right next to dinosaurs. There so you like, go. You know, All the thing is missing is Jesus just walking past. <laughs> exactly. And, I mean, there are definitely moments which uh, they are definitely very funny. But, you know, you have Richard Ayoade being a guy living with his mother. So he's just redoing being, the IT crowd. Being Richard Ayoade. He just goes, oh, mom, like, several times in the movie. Oh, God. And, um, yeah, there are definitely some moments which I felt like were a bit weak. Um, I feel like uh, there were some jokes which went on a bit too long. Like, there's an extended moment where he's rolling down um, the, the bleachers. All right. Uh, the main character, Doug. Played by who is that? Uh, that's Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne yeah. of Eddie Redmayne theme. Yes. And the Danish uh, girl himself. <laughs> 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 oh, that's mean. But, uh, I mean, he does a fine job. Tom Hiddleston uh, doing a pretty alright French accent. You think? Uh, look, it's fine, and you know I'm not one to defend the French, so I'm not going to like say, "Oh, this is wrong. You're the wrong banlieue of Paris." Like it's fine, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> what I will say is that, as an Arsenal fan, I feel personally attacked. What? <laughs> uh, because they're talking about, oh, you know, they're all the best players in the world, but they're not a team. They're just the best, um, the best team that that snooker, the currency is called snookers. That snookers can buy, and it's like you know, there's a. Danish uh, striker, then you have various Brazilians and French players all mixed in. Like, the owner is French, it's like... Oh, it's supposed to be Wenger. Yeah, it's like, fuck you, la. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, his team, they're... I'm more surprised that you're an Arsenal fan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Oh, wait, I don't care. <laughs> I know you don't care. Um, but, you know, like, you can tell that Nick Park is wearing his uh, Man United colours on his sleeve, because... You think he's from... Yeah. He's, yeah. he's definitely a Manchester lad. 
Not, but not a city. He's United, right? Yeah, you, but, but people would say that United is like the true blue, ironically, um, uh, Manchester team. Because mm-hmm. City sold their soul to... Um, uh, the Oasis Brothers or yeah, something? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, to uh, that oil magnet from Ethiad. Oh, even worse. Yeah. He doesn't have a hit single. <laughs> exactly. He didn't write Wonderwall. <laughs> no, indeed. Um, but I would say this is a solid seven. Really? But generally enjoyable. And what I did appreciate was that when I watched it, there were a lot of kids in the screening I went to. Was it like an afternoon matinee show? Or? Uh, this was at 7.30 on a f- Saturday evening. Oh, okay. So yeah. right after school, I guess. Is that school on Saturday? Uh, I mean, okay, I'm sorry. This is Asia after tuition. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I, they were they were laughing at the right moments. I was like, oh, it's good. Kids are genuinely enjoying this kind of animation still. So I mean, there's like, still a place. I totally understand. Like, like how I felt about the nin- the Ninja Turtles movie. Like yeah. I did enjoy myself. But the thing is, I watched it with a bunch of kids too. Like they were in the audience. Yeah. And like you hear them laughing and enjoying themselves. They're like, oh yeah, this movie's not for me at yeah, all. It's like, I, look, I don't blame them for making for a different demographic that's not me. Like I am woke enough to realize that not everything is you about me. You just call yourself woke, sir. Yes. Stop it. <laughs> hey, hey, my wife told me I'm woke, therefore I totally am. <laughs> no, she said you're awake and oh, she, you should go get breakfast oh, or something. I see, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I guess so. Like, okay, um, let's talk about one thing that, um, you know, so does Maisie Williams have a career after Game of Thrones? She did fine. I don't know what accent she was trying to pull. The Maisie Williams. Yeah. Where's she from? She sounds like Northern, right? She's she's not Northern. She's she just sounds like Sean Bean on the show. She's she, probably like no, no, she's doing that because everyone had to copy Sean Bean because he's the father. You all should sound like the father. Yeah, like, you know, you all have to sound like you're from Yorkshire. <laughs> Which you know, for uh, the guy who played uh, Richard Madden, who played um, Rob Stark, like for him, that's going down south for him. Oh, he's really Northern. He's Scottish. There you go. Like, proper like above Glasgow level. Uh, Scottish <laughs> like actual Highlands yeah. actual Highlander yeah. well done Rob Stark yeah I, he doesn't have a career though <laughs> he's fine like he was uh, Prince Charming in, uh, Once. This, in Cinderella was it uh, Cinderella Ellie yeah. Enchanted or some shit yeah. Right yeah I don't remember that movie at all but yeah Rob Stark has a career because Game of Thrones has another two seasons one season yeah there you go so he's fine for John now Stark, you mean. I mean, oh Jon Snow Jon Snow Jon Snow Noof <laughs> The king in the north. North, N-O-R-F, north. I'm going to burn my aunt. There you go. <laughs> north. Um, <laughs> one thing that I think you might like, um, that uh, in the credits, uh, there's a bit that, they say in every movie where they say, you know, no animals were harmed in the making of this movie. Yeah. They say no dinosaurs were harmed in the making of this movie. Aw, you stayed for the credits. <laughs> yeah, I did, because, you know, you should support homegrown um, their talent. And because I was in Manchester for three years, it's close to home for me, I guess. I guess. And they have the two yeah. dinosaurs dancing. Mm-hmm. And they're called Ray and Harry. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I see that reference. <laughs> yeah, I sort of went. I actually said out loud, "Oh, that's cute," but there was yeah. no one else around me to see because you know Singaporeans just leave as soon as the credits start rolling. Because well, it's, it's not a Marvel movie. Exactly, there's no after credits thing. At there's them no, to stay behind. there's nothing for you to like do homework on. Yeah. So like performances-wise, Tom Hiddleston, uh, Reddy Redman, Maisie Williams, eh, all right. Reddy Redman was fine. I mean, honestly, the best was Timothy Spall as the chief. So that's the early man review. So yeah. uh, definitely worth a watch if you have time. I would say yeah, this is this is a nice sweet movie, but honestly, I would say Nick Park's style of humor works best in short movies like the original Wallace and Gromit trilogy. Mm. You know, stuff like Grand Day Out, uh, Wrong Trousers, and Close Shave. Mm. Still the best. Uh, uh, art band creations. I guess so. I, there's, a sp- there's a specific dose that you can take. Yeah, I mean, it's like. 
I, this felt like it was slightly too long in some aspects. Like, even compared to something like, say, Chicken Run. Yeah, I mean, Chicken Run was short. That was like 79 minutes long. Barely a, fil- a feature yeah. film. Yeah. This was hour and 20. So, like, things have things felt stretched out for some reason. A little bit somehow. But, I mean, it didn't outstay its welcome. And there were plenty of nice jokes. Some were just weird. Like, there's a whole routine with a really big duck. Okay. Like, just a large mallard. Well, I would say this about like, you know, I mean, the thing is, who else is doing the clear missions? Because the other guy used to be Tim Burton. Yeah, and uh, he's <laughs> left that long behind. I think like Corpse Bride was like his final, no, yeah. Frankenweenie or Corpse Bride? Uh, Frankenweenie was the last one. And I that, think so. And that he... wasn't a commercial success. But yeah, it was based and, on his first short film or yeah, something. Yeah, and then uh, there was that uh, Cuba and the Two Strings, which came out three, four years ago. Oh, that was a fantastic film. And that bombed so hard. I don't know. So, I mean, like, yeah, unless you're Pixar, unless you're, like, Disney princess, like, yeah, so good I think luck. Aardman is the only one left alive, and that's purely from BFI funding. And, like, passion project. Yeah, it's because he is an established name, and, you know, uh, every uh, film film savant in the UK is not going to let Aardman die. Like, I think that they'll actually just start borrowing from the natural reserves to keep Aardman alive if they ever go south. You think so? Absolutely. Mm. You know, it, it, they're a point of pride in the UK. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the one thing I do appreciate is the fact that, like, you know, as nobody realized how tedious claymation is. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> stuff like uh, Curse of Were Rabbit took five years to make. And like, this is like back in the day when they used like uh, actual clay. I think right now there's a bit of CGI magicry here and there. Uh, right? th- I think uh, Nick, I think Nick Park's still a traditionalist, so there's definitely still focus on actual models. Mm. But background stuff, I think there's definitely a bit of like computer aiding. Yeah, because yeah. uh, they you, tried, you need, uh, just to polish, right? It's yeah, not too fixed. They tried going full CGI fake animation with flushed away, and that didn't work. So, I think they learned the lesson there. I guess so, but I mean, yeah, okay, I get it. Point of pride, and you know what? Some art forms need to be kept alive because, like, you know, I I'm kind of sad that there's no more Muppet movies. I'm kind of sad there's no more like films targeted at kids. Yeah, that I can enjoy on a technical level. Because I generally enjoy the second Muppet movie. I mean, I know why it wasn't as well received, but I generally thought it was pretty decent. Yeah, but then again, we live in a world where nobody loves Muppets anymore. Yeah, but it's also because there was that ABC um, drama that they did, which was pretty bad. It was alright for me, actually. It was it was fine, but I feel it like... Gave it gave me the drum battle I've always wanted to see, which is Animal vs. Dave Grohl. Yeah, that, that, it was worth <laughs> it just for that. It was worth it just for that, I... But I think it's just like, it felt a bit too real, having, uh, you know, uh, Miss Piggy and Kermit, like, you know, have to work together despite being divorced. It was like... It just feels a bit icky for some reason. I don't know because like the thing is there was this one time uh, like after the death of Jim Henson I think when Brian Henson took over and then they redid the Muppet Show like maybe in the was early... Was Brian his brother? Brian's his son. Ooh. It's a family tradition. He's okay. keeping it going. And the thing is right you have to understand the Jim Henson Corporation the, the entire brand mm-hmm. belongs to Disney. Oh. So it's like to me it's like it's like basically like Lucius Fox in the Batman movie where they have this one weird section where yeah. we're not we're not paying attention to this. This is not making money, but we we still own it. Yeah. And like there's one guy still keeping the the flag of his family name alive. So I don't know how much Brian Henson is involved nowadays, but I remember there was a time when the Muppet Show kind of came back with a more edgier '90s vibe. Yeah. And people were like, "Yeah, this is weird now," you know, because. Like back in the day, it's like, oh, Bernadette Peters? Oh, cool. And like, and you kids will be like, who the hell is that? <laughs> Linda Ronstadt? <laughs> like, this is going right over my head right now. Like, yeah, I remember like people from the 70s. Like, the thing is, like, <laughs> there was this one episode of The Muppet Show where freaking Alice Cooper 
or showed up. What? There's an episode of the Muppet Show where Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker showed up. Okay, well, that, that makes sense. So, you know what I mean? Like, and, uh, okay, how do we deviate to the Muppets from Claymation? Well, hey. I mean, because we're talking about, you know... Dying art forms. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that art man still exists. Mm. And I, I feel like I had to watch it because, you know, this is something that I grew up with. This mm-hmm. is something I have a lot of personal memories attached to. So, I of course, so, I was yeah. going to go watch it. And... I, I generally, generally, really, really enjoyed it. Especially because of a lot of like, UK references, which I feel like kind of fell on deaf ears in the audience here. I guess so, yeah. Which, uh, I'll try and explain it now, but I I think that it would be, you know, lost. I'm pretty sure, like, 10% of audience are from the UK. Yeah. <laughs> so, to the 10% like, of you out there... <laughs> hey, there you go. To Mr. and... To Mama eccentric and Papa eccentric. Exactly. Well, there you go. My, my dad is definitely Papa eccentric. Hey. Anyway, so that wraps up our early man review. Okay. So, and then we have to talk about, finally, a movie and a video game at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of... I don't know what the segue is here. Speaking of... Speaking of dying out forms, uh, video game <laughs> adaptations... Wow, we, we have. Like, I know that that was forced. That was hell. fine. That was fine. Okay, I'll allow that. <laughs> so yes, we have Tomb Raider, which dropped literally this weekend, yeah. which is the big tentpole movie of this moment until Pacific Rim Two yeah. and Ready Player One. Although I feel like this was tentpole on a budget. You feel? I fe- I feel like there was definitely a very very tight budget. I would say this, like, it has a slight tight budget, but it's money well spent in the right places. I would say. Um, so... Uh, Academy Award winning actress, Alicia Vikander. Yes. Uh, <laughs> plays Lara Croft. Exactly. And this is pretty much a retelling of the new remade mo- game. So the Tomb Raider game, which the came out in 2013. The 2013 game, mm, uh, Tomb Raider. Which I think is, as a, a reboot of a video game franchise, one of the best ones. Absolutely. I would say... I would, this might be an unpopular opinion. I would say this is a it's a stronger game than the Uncharted series. Uh, I kind of agree with you because if because uh, actually feels like you're punished properly if you fuck up. Yeah, some of the most visceral death scenes for some yeah, reason. Yeah, it's like it felt mean. Remember that scene where you had to survive like being dragged across the river, and if you fuck up, like a piece of a tree goes through your neck. Yes, <laughs> I was like. This is oh. like this is un- unintentionally gory for some reason, but it does spur you to like not mess up as often. And, and I would say this like yeah, that, I agree because Uncharted way too many cutscenes and dialogue. As charming as you're trying to convince me, Nathan Drake is. I want to play a freaking game once in a while. Yeah, and also you believe it like when uh, the Tomb Raider game ends, when she's finally a badass and she's like you know bringing people down. It's like. You've earned this because you've watched her suffer for a good four hours before she starts to like actually I guess being able so, to yeah. fight properly. I mean, I would say this especially. It's like in a format in in the medium that is video games, telling a story like that totally makes sense because you can really take your time with the origins and because the player is incentivized in a sense to like kind of like you know n- see what how we, this character grows. Yeah. So how does fine it, with it. how does it work in the movie? Bringing it back to but, the usual discussion. Yeah. The worst part about this movie. Okay, I didn't hate it. In fact, I will say this. This is my blanket statement, my blanket review of this film. One of the best video game adaptations ever, but not the best. One off. I would argue it is, but I think that's purely because I haven't seen the Silent Hill all the way through. Like the first one is really good. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, how you say it? it was built. It was made by a fan, and yeah. you and if you're a fan of the game, and if you're a fan of like uh, how you say. Just getting things right. Because mm. the thing is, it doesn't try to like take wholesale from the video game and try to put it on the screen. It tries to tell its own unique story, which is 
yeah. something which I I do appreciate. But and I also give we to. also have to kind of like you know mention the fact that Uwe Ball has populated the genre with so much garbage. He has just <laughs> shat in the pool so many times. It's just permanently brown water. And then you have the mid mark, which is the other Anderson with the Resident Evil series that is still going apparently. Yeah, I I think it's. I don't know who's watching these movies because they are not good movies. But then again, like, at least Mila Jovovich has a career and like, what a waste. <laughs> well, yeah, because she's married to... To the uh, guy, yeah. yeah. And I, I would say, uh, other than we have good efforts, like the Prince of Persia movie was... Look, it... Didn't you just say you were woke and we were talking about Jake Gyllenhaal playing an Iranian? Look, actually, <laughs> te- technically... He's uh, Swedish. No, technically because he's Jewish, he has, the, <laughs> he has the best call of being from that area. Like, it's, okay. it's better than Ben Kingsley. It's like, oh, he's kind of brown, so that counts. For what? Being Gandhi? Yeah. But he did an amazing job as no, Gandhi. No, but like, he was in uh, the Prince of Persia remake as another Iranian. Like, he's Indian. Like, that is more offensive than, like, a Jew who was part of the Iranian Empire at some point. Did you like the Prince of Persia movie? It was fine. I It was not a good movie, but I could see what they were trying to do, okay. and they captured some elements. Like, the snarky dialogue between him and the princess mm. was kind of believable. Yeah. And otherwise, what, we have the Need for Speed remake, which was... Oh, the one with Aaron Paul, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, why did that happen? And why is it called Need for Speed? Because how can you top Fast and Furious at all? Yeah, I mean... Only watch it for Rami Malek like walking out in his boxes. Like that was a weird scene. I didn't see the, the Need for Speed movie because I knew it was gonna be garbage. Yeah, and uh, we also have uh, the Assassin's Creed movie, and we don't. With Michael Asbender. Yeah. Which yes, properly hated. And we have, I would say, I mean, the closest to being in a great video game movie. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's the first Silent Hill. The first Resident Evil was not bad because okay, yeah. you have to admit that scene with the lasers in the corridor was ingenious. Corny as fuck now because it's corny not as aged. fuck now. But thing is, like when you watch that and you thought like, oh cool, like they didn't have to rely on zombies all yeah. the time. So I felt like okay, cool. They they made the whole thing feel like it was a death trap, mm-hmm. and I, I like the way that that's how they did away with like the the more how you say the the guys you thought would make it till the end. Yeah, yeah, and then. To me, I hate to say this, the best video game movie adaptation is still Mortal Kombat. Okay. The first one, not the second one. The second one's garbage, but the first one is like for its limitations and is directed by the same guy who did Resident Evil. I would say that it... It captured the tone perfectly. Okay, fine. Has an amazing soundtrack. The guy who played Liu Kang, I bought it. The, the lady who played Sonya Blade, yeah, cool. And who can't love Jean-Claude Van Damme? Jean-Claude Van Damme is in Street Fighter, sir. Okay. Talk oh. about Mortal Kombat. All right. You had freaking the Highlander himself playing uh, Asian rice hat wearing Thunder God Raiden. The 80s were <laughs> a weird time. 90s, sir. This came out in okay, the 90s. Okay, yeah. The 90s were a worse time. But the thing is, like, the thing is, what I love about the Mortal Kombat film is yep. it does capture the fact that, oh, it's a film about all these unique characters taking part in the tournament and the prize is, you know, you fight the final boss and you win something. And it's like, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted to watch. And also, seeing Scorpion and Sub-Zero live action, dang. Ah, uh, okay. You know, like, I would say, like, the thing is, like, if you're a fan of the video game and you wanted to watch, like, a, a movie based on it, like, to me, Mortal Kombat is the closest one to encapsulating the spirit of the game. But then you have Tomb Raider, which is telling a story. And, okay, look, you know it's, what I mean? yeah, I'm... 
I would say that on balance, this was verging on almost a good movie. It's almost a good movie. It's a decent movie, for sure. Which makes it... But as a video game movie, it's one of the great ones. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, I know that that sounds like it's damning with her own praise, but let's talk about the parts which I thought were good. All right. I would say Alicia Vikander, really well cast. I think so, yeah. She, she, is... she pulled off Laura Croft. And also, can I just say, my God, is she ripped in this movie? Really? Like, in the first scene, we see she's having this like weird uh, boxing match with some other random woman. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a moment where she like... Uh, You're like, just focusing on the six-packs, huh? Yeah, she tenses her abs and like, wow! And like, it says a lot about the, the uh, industry that we're talking about, Hollywood, where it's a rare sight to see a woman who looks like she can look after herself. Like, look, let's compare that to the other big feminist icon right now, Wonder Woman. Yeah, and Wonder Woman does look like she can win. Yeah, like, Gal Gadot looks like a model who has superpowers. Whereas... Like, her, her punches are CGI, you know? Like, you can, you don't buy it when you see when you see her in action. Yeah, whereas watching uh, Alicia Vikander do the stunts, you can... It's very believable. Especially when she does, like, that MMA choke with the legs and all that. Yeah. Like, yeah, I buy it. I mean, I agree with you with that. I mean, like... Probably the other, like, like the other badass chick that in recent memory is probably... Who, what's the name of the girl? That Emily girl from uh, Edge of Tomorrow? A- Emily Blunt. God. Wow. Oh, yeah. That was... I bought that. Like, oh, yeah. She looks like... This. That, to me, is like this generation. I would say this is on par in terms of, like, physicality and presence. You mm. can buy it. But also, you, you can sell... She's selling both like the strong, capable women, but also kind of slightly vulnerable, unsure. Uh, Which is one of my problems with this film, because the thing is, it's doing the origin story thing again. Because you needed the crisis of confidence. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I know it's been done to death, but I feel like it is needed, because remember the last Tomb Raider we had was Angelina With Angela Julie, Julie, where she punched the shark? Oh, <laughs> Jesus. I remember that. No, hey, but that movie gave us Daniel Craig, sir. One of the best Bonds. True, but it's also with one of the worst runs. Apparently. Yeah, and it's also just such a shite movie. But it's you know for its time, it's exactly what it needed to be. Well, hey, I didn't complain in the second movie when she comes out in that water ski, like in that tight bikini, and like you know, I was just the right age to appreciate it. But you're just the right age to wank off to Angelina Jolie. Absolutely. <laughs> Yes. We all did. We're still making up to Angelina Jolie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> when she's not making movies about Cambodian child soldiers. Hey, there are some people though. Anyway, um, so <laughs> let's. I mean, like it is that. better than you know. I mean, as a reboot to those movies, it like, is hands down of yeah. It's a it is a major improvement. And I would say also a really good villain, played by Mr. Walton Goggins. You think so? Because. I feel like his motivations were much better than what we normally get. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm an evil mercenary. Like, yeah. like he's saying, look, I'm stuck on this island just as much as you are. I want to go home. I have kids. Like, I don't fucking care about any of these people. I will kill whoever I need to go home. I would like, look at Walt Goggins and I would say like, you know what? He is an amazing Far Cry villain. Yeah. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> like, no, this should have been a Far Cry movie. <laughs> because, you know, the th- thing is, we only know Far Cry for the antagonist, not so much for the player. Exactly, Bob. Yes, because like the protagonist is always like this really bland. It's you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yes, you bland, milk toast cypher. It's like, yeah. why are you pointing at me? Why do you always assume they're milk toast? Some of them could be whole meal. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so like, okay, I enjoyed the bad guys. I didn't really enjoy like the. You know what? This movie lacks 
henchmen. You need yeah, more the bullet fodder. The henchmen were really by generic. Like you had the big strong black guy. You then had, you had the big strong guy with a beard. You had the tattooed one. You had the blonde one. You had the one who looks kind of like um, uh, Tormund Giant Spain. And then you have the possibly Asian one. Yeah. <laughs> and you might notice there are a lot of Scandinavian looking ones. Mm -hmm. And I looked this up. It's because the director, Mr. Ro Utang, uh -huh. he's Norwegian. Well done. This is his first English language movie. Those are his. That's that's the that's those are the guys from his black metal band. Yeah, <laughs> starring this film. No, like, that's my bass player. That's my guitar player. The guy who get who gets killed first is the drummer. Like, but, I would not be surprised if that was actually the case. Hey, neither would I. But I would say this also, right? I mean, here's the thing: is like the problem with video game movies is um, there's this very like. Uh, it's a very thin tightrope you have to walk on be between being campy fun and trying to be too serious. Yeah. And like the thing about Tomb Raider, it dances along that line almost well. But there are moments when I look at it and I think to myself like, you know what? You should be having way more fun. I mean, the thing is, one of the things I want to bring up is the ending. Yeah. But I'll save that for later because right now, okay, focusing on the characters, you needed way more bad guys. I would have yeah. left a secondhand man who's like, He's the mid-level boss. It felt like we rushed <laughs> through that part of the movie a bit too much. Yeah. Because we had to spend 10 minutes on a bike chase scene. I get you want to do some character building, but I think... Like, just, just stick with the boxing and then make, maybe there's a scene where she has to do some parkour shit. Or... Like, okay, yeah, we've done parkour to the ground, but it makes more sense than, I can cycle really fast. It's like, do you have a bike on the island? No. That's totally unnecessary. But yeah. the, the thing is... Um, I would have cut out the entire first half, first 30 minutes, because instead of us trying to learn about, you know, Bruce Wayne being Batman, which takes a whole movie, yeah. which works, why don't we just assume we know that she's a badass and she just comes guns a-blazing? Yeah, I mean, having said that, I would appreciate that this movie went into her raiding tombs very quickly. Ex like, it just away. happens to be her, fa her family's tomb. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess it's like, no, that's one of the things. It's like, I don't get the need to weaken or like maybe like take them down a notch a bit because like I would compare like if you want to compare this to the other Tomb Raider films it's like yeah it's way better like you know like the worst video game movie of all time is still the Mario Brothers movie oh well I mean that goes without saying which is untoppable so it's like you only need to do the bare minimum to be a good video game movie and it did the bare minimum it did the bare minimum and then some I agree but also the thing is right then comes that film nerd in me and I look at this and like okay can you top Indiana Jones no, you can't. Absolutely not. And there are definitely yeah. moments where I could see, like, oh, you're referencing the border chase scene. Oh, you're referencing uh, the path of God, the word of God, the breath yeah. of God. It's like, other traps exist. You don't need to repeat those ones. Mm, I guess so. But I mean, like, at least they didn't do the cliche giant boulder rolling down. No, you had the spiked uh, sticks rolling down. And, and, and they also had the spiked trap from the ground that just skewers and people. And it didn't feel gory enough. I was like... You think so? This is PG-13 though, sir. Yeah, I was like, well then, you know, why not just say fuck it, push for the N16 and have like the little blood spot and it goes... Bleh! Oh, you could just have her, you know, show her tits. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... But then again, you know, like for you for you other kind of Laura Croft fans, you might be disappointed. Yeah, I mean... I'm, I'm alright with the athletic version. And No, I, I, I much prefer the athletic version. Like, you know, because she seems more like she knows what she's doing yeah but I mean there's also that part of me because I did play the original games right yeah. and I didn't play it for the boobs 
unfortunately, I played it for the gameplay. And the gameplay is not so good. It's not so great. Didn't age well at all. When the reboot happened and I played it, like, this is amazing. This is actually pretty good. I even like the kind of more uh, isometric, puzzly games. Like, yeah. What was it called? Uh, that town, I don't know. Uh, like even the, the co-op ones. Even which, the detective mode didn't feel like it was too, like, you know, out of place. Yeah, it's like, but the thing is, like, okay, so if I were to base this film on the video game legacy, like, you don't need to do much to actually be a good film. Yeah. And the thing is, because you have two shitty movies that already exist, you know, like, it's, it's not much of a reach. And I really appreciate when they added the gamey elements. Like, yeah. when she solved puzzles, like, oh, that cool. was That was really fun. And also, I liked the, you know, the homage to uh, the old uh, plane. Even though the CGI was very... On the waterfall, right? Yeah, the CGI became very noticeable at that point. It was like, okay, now Especially we just have, Especially when like, she's swinging through the trees. Yeah, that right? was, like, so bad. But I enjoy the part where like it keeps on falling down. She just goes, "Really?" <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, I can buy. That. Like, can I just have a fucking break now? I guess so. Yeah. But like that to me is one of those moments where like, okay, you're less Laura Croft and more Nathan Drake now. Enough with the quips. But I mean, that I blame on Naughty Dog dominating that particular genre of games for the last ten years. There you go. And I would say, yeah, I mean, like Uncharted is a better Tomb Raider than Tomb Raider sometimes. Yeah, well, better then, than, than the original Tomb yeah, Raider. Yeah, and then now, like, Tomb Raider's come back. And, like, you no, know, two games, pretty solid. Uh, the, the thing is, like, I can nitpick this ga- this film and the game also, but, like, the film is, like, you know, for what it wants to do, it's fine. It's some sort of movie, like, it, like in terms of, like, say, representation for women, look elsewhere. In terms of, like... I, mean, I, would, I, would, I would generally argue that this, in terms of, like, female representation, it's better than Wonder Woman. I agree. But that's not saying much, too. Of course, <laughs> it's not it's saying like, much. Aliens exist. <laughs> Kill Bill exists. True, so. but I, at the very least, we have. Also, I would say in terms of like body image, this is better because mm. it's saying you can still be, you know. Cool. You don't need to be Angela Jolie. To yeah, you can. You can just be fucking cut like a motherfucker. Mm. Like, especially the scenes where they're shot from her back and they see like her doing pull-ups and you just see all the muscles moving in her back. I'm like, wow. Really? Yeah. Uh, it's very interesting to see your take on the female, like uh, the male gears on the female form here, sir. <laughs> it's uh, slightly less pervy, I guess. <laughs> no, maybe not. Equally creepy, sir. But you know, go on, enjoy no, yourself. I'm just saying, like in, <laughs> in terms of like, just this is it's not in terms of like sexiness, but just in terms of it's amazing to see this because normally if you see this, if you see this on a male um, uh, like uh, action hero, like oh yeah, sure. But the fact that we're doing like equal stuff with a woman's like. This is very impressive. I guess so. And yeah. it works. That's the main thing I'm trying to bring across. But then again, like here's my argument again is like, you know, if you're looking for a mo- movie with female representation, you're looking for it in the Tomb Raider film? Come on. But like uh, I would still agree. Like I mean, she is the second lady of video games. Yeah. I mean, who's the first lady? Chun Li from Street Fighter. Okay. She's the first badass. Yeah, I mean, those legs though. Wow. She was also a cop. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. And like, yeah, I mean, uh Laura Croft has an interesting legacy because the thing is like you know everybody we have to admit it those games sold because of the character and like from yeah. you know the, the the very primitive polygon like you know the <laughs> those very sharp titties <laughs> all the way to the no the, the like you know at least she survived jiggle physics she didn't have to go through that phase that's true like she was never given to team ninja thank god hey that would have been an amazing game imagine laura croft doing aerial combos oh wow. my god and yeah. then like she could just like slap like just the concussive force of when they slap together like <laughs> the sudden boom would just knock people over what are you talking about sir <laughs> you know what i'm talking about oh okay cleavage chaos there uh-huh. so if anything um but 
as a film. Like, yeah, I mean, it's not great, but it's like for like your summer fodder because th- 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 it's strange for a movie like this to come out in March. I think it's because they look at the release schedule and went, okay, we've got Marvel, 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 Marvel. We can't talk that, like, huh? Yeah, let's do it now. We'll make some money. And also, I can tell they were a bit stingy with the funds. You think? Is it Square Enix or is it like the production house? I think it's I think it's Square Enix because they dumped so much money into um, uh, what what was that really bad movie called? Spirits Within. Yeah. Yeah. That nearly bankrupted them. Exactly. So I feel like, like they're far more careful these days. But they did do the Kingsglaive movie. Yeah, and that and you know, look how well that did. Hey, it had Aaron Paul in it off uh, Need for Speed fame. <laughs> yeah, like his voice, but. In terms of like, you know, there's no big uh, name recognition people. Alicia Vikander is the biggest star. Then you have Dominic West, who he will do anything, pretty much. Like mm-hmm. he did Punisher Warzone, which is a good movie. Mm, no, it's not. But it's, he it's, he was a good villain in a bad movie. I I mean it's a it's a bad movie. I enjoyed. Yeah, and Walton Goggins, I love him, but he's a he's a TV actor. So you pop- think so? Yeah. Like, he's mainly known for playing cops in... Uh, I think he did a pretty good job in, like, Hateful Eight, though. Like, he, yeah. was, an, he was an interesting character to watch. No, I, I haven't seen Not it. so much in Django Unchained, though. Oh, no, Django Unchained, he was a bit... But, like, again, he's still fairly recent, very big character. And then you have various uh, Scandinavian extras. <laughs> and Daniel Wu. So, as an Asian man, let me explain to you Daniel Wu. I have no idea who this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it was an interesting, like, my introduction to this character is basically, oh, first he speaks, you know, Cantonese, and then he speaks a nice Californian accent all of a sudden. Yeah, it's like, where are you from, sir? <laughs> I, I mean, I've been to Hong Kong, no one has that accent. There you go. You're in Singapore right now. I have this accent. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, that's also one thing I do want to mention was like, this felt very cynical, like we're trying to cater to the Chinese here. Yeah, we have because, to, because a female action star won't sell there. Exactly, so... Give the a, Asian guy a gun. Yeah, no? from a logistic standpoint, it makes no sense to charter a boat from Hong Kong to go to south of Japan. But as a visual uh, Visually, aspect, yes, Hong Kong is far prettier than Taiwan or the south of Japan. Yeah, there you go. But also at the same time, it's like, uh, Square Enix is in... Yeah, they're a Japanese company. Yeah, why didn't they give some Hokkaido love? No idea, but then maybe again, because like it would be you can't you know uh, charter a boat for that much for that little money. But in Japan. I wouldn't blame Square. I mean, it's also probably maybe a director's choice. Like you know, he wanted to film something in Hong Kong because he wanted to recreate some Bruce Lee. Yeah, moment. and also yeah, I mean, it was a decent enough scene. Mm. Um, I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, yeah. okay, one thing I enjoyed was the action sequences and like you know the the puzzle platforming sections. Yeah. and I would say that uh, the screenplay was decent uh, it wasn't too cheesy like the dialogue felt quite believable yeah like, even when she was like doing the weird riffy stuff with her friends back in London felt kind of like I know people who talk like that so I can buy it but it totally doesn't serve the story in any way no I mean it was a nice deviation I, guess I would so. say yeah but I mean okay another complaint is like they had to explain Himiko twice yeah so like okay we get it you had the opening cr- like crawl and then all of a sudden it's like she's explaining it she's like re-explaining it by reading the, the dad's book or something yeah but I like that she was kind of like oh, god damn it you fucking weirdo yeah but also it's like at the same time um, I would say this uh, the Tomb Raider film it is a nice step in the right direction for video game adaptation yeah but also it's no this is no longer gonna be good enough in terms of video game adaptations now yeah. that this is our new benchmark 
it's still not yeah yeah like we are expecting better now we need like actually really good movies now and i think it's a long way coming too because you have to understand like you know like comic books have been around for like more than half a century yeah, and now we're getting to the point where you know just being decent isn't good enough anymore exactly because the thing is like you know like when, when the dark knight dropped like okay here we have the benchmark we have to top this and then like Marvel movies never do that, but the thing is, but they're just still consistently just like yeah, they glide this is underneath that awesome fun. There you go, and it's like, um, and I think the problem I guess with video game movies is like, there's always that attachment, there's still that stigma, the stigma, and also the attachment to like, oh, I've never played the game, so hence I will not understand what's going on. Yeah, and this is where we have to talk about the ending of the movie. You wanna? Let's very briefly let's mention Nick Frost is in this movie as a pawnbroker. <laughs> Uh, he is the comic relief, and at least he's got work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, he does—he does a fairly good job, but uh, like the bit at the end where she starts buying guns, and she picks up the Hecklen cock because reference, sir. Yeah, and then she goes, "I'll take two. and I was just sitting there like, "No, of course, don't do this." Well, it's less ridiculous than her pointing a boy and arrow at a helicopter. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Fine, whatever. She's not Rambo. But, you know, it's like when you compare it to the games where she does end the game by shooting the two pistols and then she goes sort of just, Meh, and drops it. Yeah. Like, there's like rejecting that element. So, why is this movie touching it? Because references, sir. Because yeah, you know, I suppose. Like, I mean, like, you need to have Easter eggs in movies nowadays. I, I mean, I wouldn't call it an Easter egg because the thing is pretty because much it's in, in front your of face. you. Yeah. yeah. But I would say this also, like, I mean, if you want to talk about missed opportunities. Himiko should have been a freaking ghost vampire zombie monster. Yeah, it, feel, it feels like, again, I would say this is where I think the money was tight, where they didn't go full-on crazy uh, supernatural. That was what I was really looking forward to. Because like, I was looking forward to like those big samurai statues with those huge maces to pop up. No, I wanted the thousand handmaidens to all be ninjas as well. Oh, Imagine that, an army of undead, kimono-clad skeletons kicking ass. And like you have only five guys with machine guns. That's how they should have been taken out. But it would have been too ridiculous, I suppose. No, that's the problem. Be ridiculous. When I say you're like straddling this tightrope between being campy and being too serious, the problem I have with Tomb Raider is like, what's all this necessary? It's a ridiculous franchise. But you, I don't want you to ground it. Yeah. Stop trying to ground it because like the entire opening sequence where she's like complaining about, I'm a rich girl, but I'm denying my inheritance because like daddy issues or like yeah. whatever. It's like, no, no, I don't care about this aspect of Laura Croft. I want to see your kick ass. In fact, I want to see the thing scale to the point where it becomes ridiculous. Like, you start with maybe your low-level uh, bad guy yeah. in like the Hong Kong scene. Then you move on to maybe like, okay, the gun-toting henchman. And then finally she fights zombie ninja warriors. It's like, you know what? She can handle herself. Then I would have been like, you know what? This blew me away. This is good campy fun. It is like, you know, paying tribute to the legacy of Tomb Raider because even the reboot video game has a supernatural element. Yeah. I mean, and it leans in harder in the Rise of Tomb Raider, which is a sequel. Exactly, and that's the like the, the thing I enjoy the most because yeah. it's like those things remind you that this is fun. Yeah, I mean, look, if it makes enough money, we'll get a sequel, and I think that Vikanda is still interested enough to want to carry on playing. Yeah, I guess because I think she was a fan of the original games, that's why she wants to carry on uh, playing. If she said it in the press junket, it has to be true. <laughs> no, she said it on the Graham Norton show where they get uh, before she was cast. This, or this when is she was cast. this was after she was cast, but mm -hmm. like, on the Graham Norton show, you're playing with alcohol, so you tend to be a little bit more truthful. I played the games, yeah. So I think we've talked pretty much about everything we liked, not didn't like so much. Um, yeah. 
Final rating? What would you say? It's a, it's a decent 6, 7, I guess. I'd say it's a 7. Um, this makes me feel a little bad. I actually enjoy myself in this film a little bit more than I did in Early Man. Really? A little bit. Like, I was checking my watch a lot in Early Man, but also... Yeah, the pacing, I guess. But also because I really needed the piss. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't want to leave in case I missed anything. Did you buy a large drink again, sir? Maybe. I also uh, had a had a bit of a beer before I went, so, uh, yeah. What? You went to watch Early Man Plastered? Not Plastered! How dare you! My kids in the... No. But I was tipsy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Like, it's because my Golden Village has... They serve beer at the Golden Village where I live. Oh, you went to watch in Gold Class? Ooh, you were so posh! No, 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 in Gold <laughs> Class. No, just outside, like, you know. Oh, okay. okay. And there's a nice little atas area where you can... Uh, sure, sure, sure there was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I totally didn't bring in my own booze. I can totally imagine you watching Tomb Raider with a sherry and a fine Visconti. <laughs> oh, I'd totally do that. Uh, of course you would. Uh, no, yeah. I watch Winehouse with a nice glass of wine. There you go. <laughs> uh, really uh, not appropriate. <laughs> mm. But, okay, so Tomb Raider, eh, it's better than the other movies and it's fine. No, I look forward to seeing where they go from here if they make more. Please go... Supernatural. Yeah, I want to go proper supernatural because I feel like they can pull it off. Because look, they made Laura Croft believable, so which I'm fine with. Yeah, yeah. go on from there. Also, I want to see her more Jack's next uh, next film. Are you sure? Yeah, like proper biceps and all. Like, Ride it up. Like you know, she she has like the abs and she has like uh, the the back muscles. I now need to see like proper definition in the arms. She should have like trapezoids, like you know, a young Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, because so she also, has no neck. Like, she has the shoulders that you could, she wouldn't look weird if she had all that, you can like proper muscle built on. You're really talking way too much about this. <laughs> she, look, dude, she put on 12 pounds of muscle for the movie. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Anyway, but okay, so like, <laughs> well, if you love your women muscular, you know, you can go ahead and follow Eccentric Tom on Twitter. <laughs> but if anything, you start my fan account in muscular. You gotta, yeah, like, you know, I'm feeling uncomfortable. So. <laughs> but if anything, no, I don't feel uncomfortable. Go on. <laughs> That's what I was supposed to say. So, uh, Tomb Raider movie, yeah, you know, B minus B. No, I mean, look, it's not a, it's not a C. It's I would say this is worth watching in cinema. Mm. Like, we need to support this because this could be the start of we could have video game movies. On par with comic book movies. I would say that, yeah. Like, this is probably what Blade did for the video game. Like, what yes. did for comic book movies. Absolutely. This is the Blade of, hopefully. Hopefully. Like, it's not quite the Iron Man, but I think that's coming. Yeah, I, I would say, I agree. Uh, comic book, uh, video game movies, still a long way to go. And yeah, you can always look back to the classics. But, you know. <laughs> classics with massive inverted commas. There you go. I mean, like, I'm pretty sure, like, 10 years from now, you can look back at Mortal Kombat and think to yourself, you know, this was not bad. It, it, it's like, for the for being hum, hum, like, uh, how do you say, handicapped, forcing them to have PG rating. Yeah. Like, you didn't have the gory fatalities, but yeah, that's Liu Kang, that's Johnny Cage, that's Sonya Blade, and they're on their tournament. You know? And then you saw the Street Fighter movie, like, hey, this is garbage. Well, I mean, uh, kind of saved by, um, what's his name? Uh, Royal Silver. Raul Julia? Raul Julia. In his mean, final performance. Yeah. Academy Award but nominated. But he did a really good job, all things considered. Hey. And he did it for a very sweet reason. I still don't understand why Cammy played an English lady. Uh, it's played by Kylie Minogue, Australian playing in English. And Jean-Claude Van Damme, the, 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 what, the muscles from Brussels? Yeah, playing... Is Colonel Guile. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. at least just give him a, a Dutch uh, surname so it makes sense he has this weird fucking accent no just get an American guy to do it you know yeah but, like, uh, good old honest uh, American lad like Schwarzenegger wait 
What? <laughs> too big. Stallone, too Italian. Yeah, I don't know who would have been the guy back then. Uh, but, well, there you go. So, video game movies, could this be the start of something new? It has the landscape start to broaden out. Will there be another Tomb Raider movie? And if so, do we really want one? I mean, no, no, let us know. I mean, uh, I'm definitely ready. Uncharted's gonna have a movie. That's a thing. That's not gonna be good. You think so? No. I've already seen the IMDb stamp. You know, it's like no, here's the thing. I've already seen the um, uh, Uncharted uh, movies. They're called Indiana Jones. They're also called the Uncharted Games. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, just watch the cutscenes. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so with that, we should be signing off. So um, our condolences to all you Toffee fans out there with, with the lack of the sticky. <laughs> 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 uh, but he'll be back again next week, you know. Uh, so you know, please do follow your friends here at The Last King Podcast. Okay, We've ended the road to Oscars. Uh, we've also reviewed a Tomb Raider Early Man. And Indeed. coming up soon is... Something. I think yeah. it's Ready Player One next. I think so. No, no, not yet. No, but uh, there you go. So, like, you know, things are gonna happen here. So please stay tuned and uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>